This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Is travel on your list of things to do in 2024? If so, you're not the only one planning to get away. According to recent surveys, Canadians are planning to travel more than ever before in 2024. So if you're planning to take off, you'll want to stay tuned for our guest today as he has advice on how you can get away from it all, exploring new destinations and have great experiences and more importantly, save money when it comes to travel. He's a travel and personal finance expert, public speaker, blogger, and contributor for many Many media sources, including the Globe and Mail, Money Sense, and the Toronto Star, to name a few. His website, MoneyWeHave.com, has been around since 2014 and is a go-to source for many when it comes to personal finance management and, of course, travel advice. Barry Choi, thanks so much for coming back to the show today. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's always so great to have you on, Barry. You've got some great advice. I know, you know, especially this time of year, right, we're coming out of the holidays, we're in the midst of winter. Many people are thinking about, okay, how do I plan a vacation? How do I get away from it all? And I want to get into that as we go through the show, because I know you'll always have some great advice for our listeners. But maybe before we get started, you could share a little bit more about yourself and how you became an expert when it comes to travel. You know, you kind of mentioned this in the intro, and I actually forgot. Like, I started my blog in 2014. It's, it's been, I guess it'll be a decade next month because I started in February. Uh, so I just started writing it out of passion. Uh, I enjoyed writing about personal finance because my parents taught me some basic tips, but times changed, obviously. They were immigrants, there was bank accounts or, or savings accounts they didn't know about. Um, and then because I worked in media, I just knew how to get my voice out there. Ten years ago, there weren't, weren't that many blogs, and I've, I've now successfully turned into a full-time career, which I'm very fortunate about. Yeah, that's great. It's always so good, right? And I recommend that to people all the time, right? You need to be passionate. You need to enjoy the work you're doing because we spend so much time right at work that if you're not enjoying it, um, you really need to, to find some Something that you do love to do. Well, let's get into what we're here to talk about today. According to surveys, and there are several, that show Canadians are ready to travel this year. So let's discuss the surveys a little bit and, and what they're telling us about the travel plans of Canadians. So one of them conducted by Research Now for British Airways, not only are Canadians planning to travel, but 20% of travelers are planning to do more this year than before. So the recent pandemic is a key reason for more than half of them at 58%. Interesting that that's still coming into play for people. Feels like travel's been back to normal for a while uh, since the pandemic, but obviously still top of mind for many. Exploration and adventure are the top priorities when planning trips in 2024. That's 43%. One third at 33% are planning to explore new destinations and tick places off their must-visit list. Um, immersing in new cultures at 29% and trying new experiences for the first time at 18% seem to be important criteria for those that are planning their next adventure. So almost two-thirds at 64% plan to go off the beaten track to less touristy destinations when they plan their New Year's travel. And according to the British Airways poll, the regions Canadians plan to visit the most this year is Europe at 42%, North and South America at 28%, and Africa at 13%. 
So another survey Barry shows, uh, this one by Leger, shows that the travel bug has definitely hit Canadians. Close to 40% of Canadians are likely to travel this winter, and nearly two-thirds at 62% plan to travel outside of Canada. 47% plan to travel within the country. And another survey by travel insurance provider Alliance Global shows an even higher percentage at 70% of Canadians are planning a trip. So do these statistics surprise you at all, Barry? Anything in these surveys um, that you weren't, wouldn't expect to see? And, and, you know, so many people, 70% of people planning a trip this year. There is a lot of data coming from all over the place. And I'll say that a lot of the information you've talked about is not surprising at all. Um, you're right that travel is already at record highs. A uh, recent survey data or recent data I saw showed that we're already exceeding pre-pandemic levels. So the fact that 70% of people or Canadians want to travel this year, it's surprising in two ways. That, that number one, that there's still such sustained growth. Uh, obviously, people are very hungry to get back uh, to traveling, right? But number two, at the same time, uh, let's be realistic. You know, interest levels are up, debt levels are up. Uh, a lot of people are hurting as far as their day-to-day expenses are concerned. But the, I also read that other data is like they were willing to cut everything else but travel. So people are re- really interested in those experiences. And I think part of this, when you look, especially look at people want to explore new places, they want to be immersed in culture, probably has to do a lot with the pandemic when you think about it. Uh, a lot of experiences were taken away from us. People realize that life is short, so maybe they don't want to push off those trips to retirement because people don't know what will happen, right? Um, one really interesting thing I, I found, and I don't want to make any suggestions, but you you know, Europe was at 42%, North and South America at 28%, and Africa was at 13%. Uh, clearly, Asia was not even anywhere, not even at 10%, which is highly unusual for Canadians, especially with so much, such a huge Asian population. Uh, but who knows, maybe the pandemic has steered people off that region for obvious or not so obvious reasons. Yeah, it it is interesting to me. I mean, Africa is pretty long (laughs) trip from Canada. So even for that to be at 13%, I think is is, uh, interesting to me. I know for me, the pandemic um, said, you know, I think we love to travel. My husband and I have been very fortunate that we've been able uh, to do that. But we've been thinking more about bucket list travel as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like before we retire, where are the places that we want to make sure we get to? Because of course, you need to plan around uh, your retirement, your income's obviously going to be reduced in retirement and there are certain places where you know it is going to be more expensive and that's a great reason to have you on the show is to talk about like how people can accomplish those bucket list trips but still save money but before we sort of get there what do you think besides the pandemic anything else that you think has changed people's mindsets or or you know their key driver i guess in the renewed interest in travel it's all about the pandemic, right? Like, like let's not beat, beat around it. A lot of people didn't travel for the last four years. I still know people who are, who are still afraid to travel. Um, but at the same time, it's really interesting because even people before the pandemic happened, they were always talking about 
wanting to go to those bucket list destinations, like you mentioned, right? Whether that, whether you're in retirement or just in your 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. And then the pandemic happened, travel was taken away. Um, and then throughout the pandemic, we saw a lot of health issues. Used. But now that air travel has opened up, and let's be clear for a second, uh, COVID, COVID is still a concern throughout the world. You know, it's something to be taken seriously. So if you're going to travel, make sure you're doing it safely and you're just taking any necessary precautions that make yourself feel safe, right? But, you know, one good example is my parents. They're retired. Uh, they're in their mid to late 70s. Uh, you, you know, there was four years where they couldn't travel. And my mom was like, you know what? I would really like to go back to Hong Kong. That's where she's from, my dad also. And they straight out said, it was like, you know what? This might be the last time we ever get to go back just because they're older. Health issues are becoming a big concern. And it was really interesting. I went back with my parents and we went to the village they're from. And my mom was literally running into people that she hadn't seen in 30, 40 years. You know, she left the country more than 50 mm -hmm. years ago. And then a lot of her people that she ran into again this was a very small village from 50 years ago they all know each other still and they're all saying the same thing they're like this will probably be my last trip here uh, my kids have no interest in coming back here uh we've immigrated we've been out of the country for 50 years so it's the same thing people have realized you know they've accepted reality of what's going on and they want to make sure they're getting those experiences in before it's too late yeah i i love that we've done some similar things over the years too like my nan before she passed away she was a war bride and uh, we took her back to uh England, right, to see her family, um, what would have been her, her last visit before uh, she passed. So I think things like that are important to you, right? They're family uh, connections, right? It, it's your culture, it's your heritage, and, and people want to reconnect with that, right? Once upon a time, people were looking for sun destinations, right? Mm -hmm. Somewhere hot to get away during the winter, and I'm sure there's still going to be some of that, but there definitely seems to be more interest in cultural experiences as well. Cultural is very interesting because things have changed so rapidly in the world. Um, you know, I'm using Hong Kong as, as an example just because obviously I, I was just there, and I'm sure you can relate with your trip to England. The last time I was in Hong Kong was 10 years ago, and Cantonese is, is the local language, and it's very commonly spoken, obviously, right? Uh, but ever since... China has kind of come in and made their impression, kind of taken over from the British over the last 25 years. In the last 10 years, uh, now when I returned recently, it was all Mandarin, which is the native language in China. So it's very interesting to see that shift. Or even recently, I was in Curacao, which is just off the of Venezuela. And the tourism board was telling me traditionally all the tourists were from uh, Europe and the United States. But now with a growing middle class in South America and Central America, they're starting to see a huge shift in the demographics also. So a lot of these destinations are changing. Obviously, infrastructure has changed over the years. So getting that cultural experience is very important um, because a lot of it's just going away. That's just the sad reality. So when you ever go to a destination these days, you're like, what's cultural? It's really hard to say unless those cities or countries have really preserved it. And there are still a few hidden gems that offer a lot of culture, but are they're typically destinations that are difficult to get to or people just aren't as interested in because they may think it's dangerous when it's not. Yeah, I think, you know, learning, um, doing research and, and, you know, government websites are often a good place to start with regards to, you know, safety and, and things mm -hmm. like that. But I agree that you really need to dig deep, right, and not go on hearsay or things you might have heard. You know, places change. And honestly, the, the places I've been, you can find 
trouble anywhere, right? You just need to be smart and safe and practical about, you know, what you're doing. And, and if it is maybe somewhere where you shouldn't go out at night, then make sure yep. you're back before dark or, you know, just be smart about the things, uh, the things that you're doing. I, I think that's really good. You don't want to miss out on the experiences because of something that you heard that may not even be um, the case once you get there or there's ways around it once you get there. Well, Barry, on your website, you comment that you combine your knowledge of finance with your passion for travel and encourage people to see the world without spending a fortune. So we're going to get to your advice on that when we come back. Please stay with us. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money with Nancy Sneddon, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Joining me today is Barry Choi. He's a travel and personal finance expert, public speaker, blogger, and contributor to many media sources, including the Globe and Mail and Money Sense. His website, moneywehave.com, is a go-to source for many when it comes to personal finance management and, of course, travel advice. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So as discussed in the opening segment, Several surveys are showing that Canadians are planning trips. In fact, a few polls show that this year many are planning to travel more than they've ever traveled before. And I'm sure there are listeners thinking that sounds expensive, right? After all, there's a misconception, I think, that travel is always going to be expensive. But Barry, it doesn't have to be, right? Never needs to be expensive. That said, uh, prices have gone up significantly over the years. Let's just be clear. Uh, People do need to adjust their expectations, but traveling does not need to be expensive, especially if you're flexible. Uh, And by flexible, I I mean flexible with your dates and your location. There are always deals to be had. Uh, But unfortunately for many people, they have fixed dates and fixed locations. And that's why it can be expensive. Yeah, I guess if you open yourself up to different possibilities, like you, like you said, with dates, but more importantly on destinations that you want to travel um, to, you can probably find uh, still a great experience, right? For, yeah. That's not going to be as hard on your budget. So I guess when it comes to planning your travel, what should be considered or taken into consideration in that planning process? So to me, there's a few things. Number one, the first thing I look at is budget and, well, two things, budget and destination because they're kind of tied together. Generally speaking, you want to have a few different destinations in your mind, and it can be completely random, right? Uh, I don't want to date myself, but this is like a really good example I like to use. Ten years ago, my wife and I, we had planned out a trip to Prague, Vienna, and Budapest. It's kind of like a little triangle. I don't know if you're familiar with that area. It's a very, very common area. And I did the price adjustments and then like basically we factored in like, okay, this is what it's going to cost me. Uh, And and it just fit into our yearly budget at travel. So at that time, it was just two of us. We were budgeting $650 a month for travel. So that worked out to be about $8,000 a year, which is not bad, right? Again, this is 10 years ago. That doesn't go very far now, right? Um, And then we were like 99% sure we're going to do this trip. But because I always have different destinations in mind and I'm always checking I always like to see what value is there and this is a really interesting story because sometimes people think I'm crazy but um, so this was 2011-ish so it's 12 years ago right Egypt had just gone through the Arab Spring and then it was a bit of a 
tra- trauma there. But then what happened is uh, they elected a new president, and it was very peaceful at the time. Uh, but everyone was afraid to travel to Egypt and, and the region in general. But it was never been more stable. Like, I hate to joke about this, but traveling to destinations which have just gone through political unrest or something is usually the best time to go because it's never been safer. And then they're hurting for tourism, so prices are down, right? Uh, so I costed it on. I told my wife, it's like, listen, we can still go to Europe. That's no problem. Uh, but for the same price, we can actually go to Egypt and Jordan. So, you, you know, we talked about bucket list earlier. The pyramids was on our bucket list. Um, my wife was okay with the idea, and she had just one request she was still a little hesitant to go and she said you know what i'm willing to go but i want to go on a guided tour where there's always a local with us and that was a perfectly fine compromise and it was a a great solution because at the time like it had never been cheaper so so i feel like if we were to do the trip now you know even factoring inflation it would cost two to three times as, as much yeah, and I guess, you know, the question becomes, is your destination or your budget what you should consider first? But I guess it's going to be different for people because if there's somewhere where it is a bucket list thing and it's the only place that they are really interested in going, well, then that the destination obviously comes first. And then they're going to, I guess, look at the things to figure out if their budget can accommodate that, right? Yeah. For others, yeah, so- you may say... Sorry, go ahead. I would say, like, always come with destination first because once you've got a few destinations in mind and you start breaking it down, uh, especially when you look at flights, hotels, meals, and everything, you can really start to see the value. And what I mean by that is, let's say, for argument's sake, I'm just going to use round numbers here because I don't feel like doing math today. Uh, the vacation is going to cost you $12,000, right? For two people, let's just say, or a family, whatever. Uh, and you want to go in a year. That's $1,000 a month you need to save, which is not a small amount, right? Uh, so you can either save a lot or you can choose a different destination that's cheaper, or you can delay that trip for another year and save $500 a month. So, so this is what I mean. Once you kind of figure out your budget and your destination, you can really break it down. So if you're really hung up on that bucket list destination, then you just got to start making those sacrifices at home. Um, my wife and I, and I had dinner yesterday with friends, and I, I don't want to, like, kind of pick on people here, but sometimes, you know, it's not hard to judge. You know, they were talking about how they want to travel to X, Y, and Z, and it's very expensive, but they're at this restaurant, and they're ordering, you know, you know multiple drinks, getting multiple sides, uh, getting the dessert, and they're talking about how expensive it is to travel these things, and they had just gone to the movies, and they got the snacks and everything, and, and in my head, is like, you're talking about this stuff, but you just literally spent $200 on things you didn't need to today. <laughs> so, yeah. so for a lot of people, sometimes it's that mentality and once you get away from it. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, but, but essentially sometimes people talk about cutting back on food when they're traveling because it'll save them money. And I'll tell you right now, that is the biggest mistake I ever made in my life when I traveled. Um, when I was younger and I was backpacking with my cousin, we were so focused on saving money. We were in Barcelona and we were eating ham sandwiches every single day. Uh, granted, we were in our, our 20s and we didn't have a lot of money, but you, you know, you're going to Spain and you're not going to eat any local food. Like, what's the point? It really is. Is you have to ask yourself that. It's like I could have saved that same amount of money by not eating out at home. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, so sometimes you will get obsessed with saving money, and it's not always the best solution. Yeah, I think it's about you know, like putting the right uh, rigor into the planning, right? And putting your budget together on what you have available for the different things that you're going to need once you decide on the destination you're going, right? And I love the idea of saying, here's my travel budget. 
what can I experience? Where can I go with the money that I have, right? As opposed to being mm-hmm. stuck on a particular destination, because it ensures you're going to be able to get away, which for many people is what's most important, right? And then figuring out, so, okay, what what do I need for flights, hotels, meals? What am I going to allocate for those things? Maybe I scale back on my accommodation, right? Many places, um, you know, Airbnb, like all those different things, you can get a much better rate than, than staying in a hotel. You don't need to eat out three meals a day because mm-hmm. you have like a kitchen available, like all those things. So, you know, budgeting for all the different things and then sticking to it. And it doesn't mean that you need to eat out of that, you know, expensive places all the time. Maybe That's you have right. one night where you're going to go out to a nice place, but you're still experiencing the local culture and food at moderate um, prices throughout the time because it is all part of the cultural experience, right? But I think, Barry, another thing, other than the budget and like allocating for flights, hotels, meals, car rental, whatever it is that you're going to need on your trip, it's also really important to consider the difference in the value of our dollar, right? <laughs> the value of your dollar is, is so significant, and sometimes it works in your favor, and sometimes it does not, right? Um, yeah. You, you know, this recent trip, we were just out of Mahalo. I went to Hong Kong. Uh, I also went to Japan, and we're, I, I went to Japan, and it's kind of funny because it all ties together, because it was significantly cheaper to fly home from there, right? So even though I had to book a separate flight from Hong Kong to Japan, flying home from Japan uh, over the Pacific was significantly cheaper. So it was a good value. And I had booked this trip, like it happened in uh, late October. I had booked it in May. So I booked it far in advance. But during those like six or seven months, Japan's economy just kind of wasn't doing really well. And all of a sudden, the Canadian dollar like increased in value by 15%. So I was just like, sweet, my dollar just kind of went up, right? Um, but sometimes you look at some destinations and you realize, oh, there's actually a lot of good value where my money can go a lot further. Argentina is a good example. Um, their currency is very unstable just because of the politics of the country. It, it's a very safe country. It's just their politics are, are not the best as a result of currency unstable. But what's funny is they have this thing called the blue dollar, and it sounds so weird to foreign people because essentially what it is, there's people on the street who will take your American dollars and then give you an exchange rate, which is practically like 50% to 75% better than the official rate. So if you exchange your money with these people on the street, it's basically 50% off, right? Uh, but it sounds so dodgy to a lot of people until you realize, no, this blue rate is an official thing. Like it's reported on the local news. And if you ask your hotel concierge, says that, yeah, go to this person, go to this. everyone knows where to go. Um, but you know, when I went 12 years ago, whatever, it, it sounded freaky, but these days with the internet, you can do all your research in advance. Uh, these things can benefit you. And obviously other places too. My wife recently uh, went to Mexico city and even she was saying the Ubers were really cheap there. So she felt safe. She didn't have to take public transportation uh, because Ubers were safe or rather inexpensive. Food was inexpensive. Like you were saying, depending on where you go, she went to a local market where tacos were two for a dollar. Uh, and she balanced that out with, like you said, just getting whatever breakfast off of the street and then uh, a decent meal at a restaurant once a day. Right. So, so it's just balancing out your overall budget, which is always a smart thing to do. Yeah, I think, you know, rather it is important to allocate that stuff, right? So rather than saying this is how much money I have for my vacation, like actually figuring out this is what I have to spend on all these different areas. It's no different than like your regular household budget, right? You're you're <laughs> allocating what you need for your power, for your car, for your gas, for your groceries. Well, you should be looking at it 
in that sort of um, same level of detail for your travel budget to make sure that you do stay within what you've allocated and you're not, you know, leaning on additional credit, right, to, to uh, pay for things once you get there that you hadn't thought about in, in advance, right? The more planning you can do, the better. So before we get to break, I want to just ask you, because you often hear people looking at, you know, peak seasons for flying is going to, could potentially uh, save you money if you fly during the week versus the weekend, or, you know, if you book early, you can save, or sometimes people think, you know, last minute is the way to go, right? You'll get more deals. What are your thoughts on these things? Uh, well, generally speaking, flying Tuesday through Thursday will always be cheaper than Friday through Monday. And taking an evening flight, uh, because they're not as popular, will be cheaper than, you know, an early morning flight. That will always be the case. Definitely flying off-season can be very, uh, well, not inexpensive, but cheaper. Right? So everyone wants to go to Europe. You're looking at those stats. 54% of people want to go to Europe. They're all going to want to go to summer. You go to spring. If you went to Europe right now, I'm pretty sure flights would be relatively inexpensive. Right? But it's also January. Who wants to go to Europe? in January. Um, but booking early to me these days is always the key uh, because it's simply an algorithm. Even though all the airlines have data on when people are going to book, if you're booking a year out, there's just not many people have booked. So the odds are the prices will be lower, right? Booking last minute for a cash fare usually doesn't get you a deal anymore because people who are booking last minute, airlines have realized that are people who are desperate and willing to spend more money. Uh, there is one exception if you're using loyalty points, if you're booking last minute, sometimes there's some good deals on loyalty points because then they're just trying to fill up seats. Right. Yeah, that's that's good to know because I think things have changed in the travel industry and what, what might have been the case, you know, even pre-pandemic uh, could be different now. So, you know, booking an event sounds like the way to go. Well, when we come back, we're going to hear from Barry on what are some of the common travel mistakes or missteps that uh, people take that could prove costly. Please stay with us. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Smedden, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada, right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is travel and personal finance expert, Barry Choi. His website, moneywehave.com, is a go-to source for many when it comes to personal finance management and travel advice. And of course, that's what we're talking about today. So before the break, we talked a little bit about your budget and planning your travel and, you know, booking in advance versus last minute deals. But Barry, I want to talk a little bit more now on some of the common travel mistakes that travelers make. What are some missteps that could prove costly? Well, you know, we already talked about this, just not budgeting, I would say, is the biggest issue more than anything else. Uh, again, you know, sometimes people get obsessed. They think they're better than everyone else. And what I mean by this, I remember this was like 15 years ago and an acquaintance was like, oh yeah, we're going to Europe and it's only going to cost us $1,500 or whatever an amount was. And just simple math in my head is like, that's just your flights and hotels. You haven't factored in the cost of anything else. So like your transportation in between food, attractions, everything. And then when they came back, uh, their budget had doubled, right? And then they're like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, how are you going to pay for it? Uh, we're going to put it uh, on credit, right? And, and I'm sure this is something you hear about all the time. Or another big mistake I hear is when people book uh, a flight or a hotel or a package 
because it's on sale, because it was a deal. So they had to book it right away. But then they don't budget for that vacation. So it's a deal, but then if you're paying it with your credit card and paying interest charges, it's no longer a deal. So to me, it, it all comes back down to your budget and not having one in general. Uh, everyone, it's really easy to convince yourself that you need to break these, these these days, and it's really easy to pay for anything with a credit card. No, absolutely. I mean, it's so easy now, right? I mean, a lot of, uh, lot of times our credit card is already there on the website, right? You click it and, and it's done, right? It's so easy. You don't even need to think about things where you're not spending the same amount of time in many cases thinking about things. And that goes for online shopping as well as booking mm-hmm. travel. I think one of the, one of the positives that I've seen though, that's made travel more affordable without having to incur credit card debt and interest charges uh, for booking is the ability to pay it over a period of time. Like when you're booking on Air Canada, for example, now you can book it, you can choose a monthly payment option, right? Which is Mm -hmm. better than paying it on your credit card if you can't afford to pay it off right away and incurring that 20% interest. So there are some things that have happened, I think, um, of late that do make travel easier or more accessible, I guess, to people. Uh, where they're not incurring uh, large debt to take it on and maybe can plan in advance and pay it off over um, time as they build up to going on that trip. Well, we, there, let me start that again, Ryan. I know, Barry, that there are likely listeners out there wondering, when it comes to booking trips, should they be using a travel agent to plan their trip or does researching and booking themselves actually save them money? I think it's a personal preference. I can see the pros and cons for both. When you're dealing with a travel agent, especially one that deals with a specific area, um, whether that be a an African safari or even a trip to Disney World, it can be very beneficial because they will know the ins and outs, they'll know the properties, they'll know the restaurants, and they can really build an itinerary that's customized towards you with without a lot of effort. Uh, you, you know, I go to Orlando every single year. It's a destination I love, and I know it inside out. And admittedly, whenever someone asks me, what should I do in Orlando, um, who's never been, it's like there's just so much stuff to cover. The amount of research you would have to do is insane. So dealing with a travel agent or working with them then can make a lot of sense. But a lot of people also, it's like a game to them when it comes to travel. They're looking for those deals. They want to research every single thing. Uh, they're going to read about 30 resorts, read 100 of reviews for each one uh, before they choose a destination. But it's funny because if you go to a travel agent who's specialized in certain regions, it may have already stayed at five or six resorts and they can give you the honest opinion of what's good based on what they've physically seen, right? Uh, I, I like to compare it to movie reviews sometimes because you know how many times I, I've, I've read a movie review and they say it's the greatest thing ever, best movie of the year, Oscar nominee, uh, uh, and I watch it, I'm like, this is so boring. And the same thing applies to travel because everyone's opinion is different. Uh, but sometimes you, you need to work both sides. No, absolutely. And and I think, you know, it, it may depend on where you're going, right, to your point, right, how much research is needed in order to make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck, you're getting, you know, places to stay that are safe and reliable and, and like all the things. So there might be times where it's okay to go ahead and book your own travel and there are other times where you do want to consult a, a travel agent. So I think that's some good advice. So 
one of the other things I think that has gained popularity, I mean, you see them on uh, advertising on TV and socials and, and stuff now more than ever before, are websites that are offering deals on flight and hotel packages. So mm -hmm. are they worth it? Is that something that, that people should be looking at? You know, it depends on the website. Right? Uh, for me, it's always one of those things where if I'm getting the deal directly from the airline or the vacation package operator, uh, hotel, whatever, I'm good with that because obviously there's just one last layer to deal with. Uh, one good example is Air Canada vacations. They're constantly having deals. Like I swear every two or three months they have up to 40% off select vacation packages to, to sunny destinations. So quite often it's definitely worth waiting. Uh, Air Canada often has flight sales. You you just don't know where the destinations are, which flights they, they are on sale, because usually it's very specific ones, their algorithms do it. What I, I tend to tell people to avoid is any website you've never heard of, uh, and even some major websites and like Expedia. I don't have a problem with Expedia whatsoever, but it's just another layer that you have to deal with. So say you book a vacation package through Expedia, and then your flight gets canceled or, or time change, you actually technically have to go through Expedia, and then Expedia actually has to wait for an answer from the airline so you can't go direct you know what i'm saying uh so so you can get a deal but sometimes it's like is it worth paying or saving 50 dollars right another good example is sometimes it's worth paying or not sometimes almost all the time it's almost worth it to pay a fully refundable seat or hotel uh these days because anything can happen and if you're booking as far in advance like we've been talking about the price you're paying is already lower so you might actually end up saving money by booking something fully refundable as opposed to waiting much later and booking something that's not refundable yeah that's a really good point and and especially in the era where we are now right we just went through a pandemic and who knows when things could change with our ability um to travel so i'm a big fan of booking those fully refundables as well it's better to do that and I have so many friends and family that ended up with credits through this pandemic that they're still trying to use. Yeah, right? exactly so, it, right? yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. So one of the other things I know is super popular, especially here in Newfoundland, is you know, as we go through January to April, many are booking all-inclusive vacations down south. So is that something that people should be doing? Are there pros and cons to all-inclusive vacations? Uh, you know what, all-inclusive People who go there love it or they hate them, right? I'll tell you this much. Once I had my daughter, we went to an exclusive ones. I get the appeal. <laughs> like before, when I was younger, before I kids, I would never consider one. And now that I've got a daughter who's young and who's just a lot of work, um, I get why people want to go. I remember the first time I went with my daughter, we went to just the play area. We were playing with her. And the people there were like, oh, you're not leaving her? I was like, we can leave her? <laughs> I was so confused. It was basically babysitting. She was small enough, like it wasn't a big deal. We just played with her. But they were like, yeah, parents just leave their kids there. Teenagers just do whatever they want. The parents go drinking. They go to the pool. I was like, oh, it's just fascinating. But you know what? Sometimes you need a good recharge, right? Like we're talking about January right now. If you can just get away uh, just from the weather in Toronto. Today is actually the first day we've had sunshine in a good 10 days since since Christmas Eve, there has been no sunshine. Uh, so so I, I was just looking at my wife when we woke up, like, oh, my goodness, there's, there's 
there's sunshine. Uh, but like an all-inclusive, it's great for different reasons, right? But it's not just an all-inclusive. It's nice if you're in the east coast of Canada. There are a lot of islands in the Caribbean where you don't need to book an all-inclusive. There's a lot of destinations you can get to that offer great hotels, soft adventure, hard adventure. Uh, so lots of different choices, which I, I think are good. But obviously the great thing about an all-inclusive, it's all in one for you. You don't need to think. You just show up and you have fun, hopefully. Yeah, and I think that's one of the perks are, that when I talk to people, they, that, that's what they say, right? They know that if this is their budget, they book an all-inclusive that fits that budget. They're not going to incur a bunch of additional costs for mm-hmm. food, their beverage, like everything, transportation to and from airport, like everything is included in that package. And they know that they're going to stick within the budget that they have for travel, which is definitely something that's important for people, as we discussed earlier. Well, we know there's lots of loyalty cards out there that are offering points towards travel. So we're going to start talking about a little bit about that when we come back please stay with us get lost in the music of legendary artists like elton john the beatles and more join claudette barnes every sunday from 12 to 1 p.m and relive fond memories through the power of music with sunday melodies on your vocm welcome back you're listening to your money here on vocm i'm your host nancy snedden licensed insolvency trustee with bdo canada right here in newfoundland and labrador joining me for discussion today is travel and personal finance expert barry Choi. His website, moneywehave.com, is a go-to source for so many when it comes to personal finance management and, of course, travel advice. And that's what we're talking about today. So if you're someone who likes to travel, a big way to save is finding a credit card that rewards you with points toward travel. And there are many cards out there to choose from. So, Barry, what's your advice when it comes to this? What are some of the better cards available to Canadians today? And I guess what should you take into consideration when choosing the right card for you? The most important thing is think about your goals first. You know how we were earlier talking about those destinations and your budget. So if your goal is to travel to a certain destination on points or to or reduce your cost, uh, then you want to collect a point system that makes sense for you. So for those in Eastern Canada, uh, Western doesn't really fly from there at all anymore. So so for most people, Air, you're kind of limited to Air Canada, which isn't a bad thing since Air Canada flies to 1,300 plus destinations in the world. But then you're going to want to collect Aeroplan points, right? Uh, so if you were to get an Aeroplan credit card, that would allow you to earn points on every single purchase. But in addition, an American Express credit card that earns you membership rewards points, they allow you to transfer your points to Aeroplan at a one-to-one ratio. So I don't really like to generalize on credit cards just because it's so specific depending on, on the user and what their spending habits are. But when looking at a credit card, think about where you shop. Uh, if you're spending a lot of money on groceries, look for a credit card that earns you extra points on groceries, right? Or if you travel a lot and you want to take advantage of benefits that Air Canada offers, like through check bags, then get a credit card that gives you those free check bags. You know what I'm saying? So there's there's a lot of different options, uh, but from the East Coast, it's just a lot harder because there's not as many direct connections to certain places in the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. And normally, you know, we're all familiar from Newfoundland. There's, there are very few places we can fly direct. We're usually connecting through Montreal or, or Toronto, sometimes Halifax. Um, but yeah, I, I like your point around that. Like it's, it depends on where you're, you're spending your money, where you're going to be able to gather the most points and what you want to use your points for, right? What are you looking to do? So, you know, doing research around what the best credit card um 
is for you, what it is you're looking to get is, is definitely a good option. The Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, FCAC, has a lot of great information about different credit cards and what to look for and information on comparing them uh, on their website, right? It's a trusted uh, source. It's, it's uh, mm-hmm. accepted by the federal government. So encourage people to do the research, right, before they sign up for something. I think also important to look at what are the terms of the credit card, you know, what is the interest rate, and, you know, I wouldn't be um, doing this conversation just if I didn't talk about using your credit card wisely and responsibly, right? So even though you're trying to get points, um, maybe you're saving for something you're getting cash back or you're saving points for a trip like we've been talking about, it doesn't mean that you should be irresponsible in how you use your credit card to gain those points. You still want to make sure you're going to be able to pay down the debt or pay it off, ideally, right, at the end of the month for what you're putting on there. Mm-hmm. I recommend... Sorry, go ahead. Let's be clear. You're you're 100% right. The any points you earn are not worth it if you're not paying the entire balance each month because that 20% interest is a lot higher than no matter how many points you earn. Absolutely. And I you know, I always recommend it's so easy um, in today's world to do this, right? With online banking and and all the different things that you can sign up or through your banking uh, website. So, you know, I get an email every Sunday, here's your balance, and I go and pay that balance rather than waiting till the end of the month because, you know, sometimes you, it, it can get away from you, right? And something else comes up and you've spent the money and now you have a balance that you're going to be paying interest on. So, you know, paying it more regularly, even than just waiting for a one-time payment each month is a great mm-hmm. way to stay on top of it if you're using it for everyday expenses in order to gain points. Well, I think the discussion around, you know, these loyalty rewards cards leads us to a term called travel hacking. So travel Mm -hmm. hacking can be done in several ways. And with the right strategy, travel hacking can save you hundreds, even thousands of dollars when you take a trip. In one of your posts, Barry, you say that you estimate you have saved tens of thousands of dollars on travel thanks to travel hacking. You've flown first class from Dubai to Toronto, stayed in hotel suites that would normally cost $1,000 plus for free. (laughs) So can you explain what travel hacking is and how to do it right so that you can save when it comes to travel? Yeah, I'll give you even like a more recent example. We were talking about my trip to Hong Kong with my parents. I, I went with my brother too. I flew all of us business class there and back, and the actual cost would have been about $20,000 per person. Uh, so that was about $80,000 savings by travel hacking. And travel hacking is, is really, it's not really a hack, honestly. It's, it's just accumulating as many points as you possibly can within a short time. Well, not a short time. I did over years, right? Let's be real. Uh, and then using those points. But the actual hacking term is the fact that a lot of credit card providers offer generous welcome bonuses when you sign up and you spend a, uh, a minimum amount. So you just sign up for a few credit cards over the course of a year, two years, three years, whatever, and then you've got all those points, especially if you're doing it with your partner. Uh, it's really easy to accumulate a lot of points quickly. But, you, you know, like like we already discussed, you got to use these credit cards responsibly. You should only be... Uh, getting these points if you're paying off your bills the entire or the entire balance each month. And of course, every single time you apply for a credit card, uh, you're going to take a, a hit to your credit
credit score. So this was a very great strategy for many, many, many years. But recently, a lot of credit card providers have caught on to this strategy, and now they've changed the structure of the points you get. So before, it used to be something simple like earn 50,000 points when you spend $1,000. Very easy to do for a lot of people, right? But now, it's funny that uh, we're talking about this because now it's like, oh, you got to spend $15,000 and you're only going to get 75,000 points. And we're like, well, who's going to spend $15,000, right? It was like just to earn that many points. So it's become a, a little bit harder, but it's also one of those things where it, it's not a marathon. It's, it's, uh, it's not a sprint. It's, it's a marathon. So you just got to take your time with these. Take advantage of these offers whenever you see them. There's constantly offers changing. Uh, you, you know, one good example is the CIBC Aeroplan card. It has no annual fee, but you get 10,000 Aeroplan points after your first purchase. So, so that's something that's easy to take advantage of. Uh, but those people who have who naturally do a lot of spending, you can start to take advantage of the big bonuses, and that's where it can become very lucrative. Yeah, and I guess if you're using your credit card for everyday expenses, like your groceries, like your power bill, like your gas, and paying it off, right, because it's, it's money that you should be having in your regular um, budget, so paying it off every week, like I was talking about, it would be fairly easy to build up that sort of thousand, ten thousand, five thousand dollars spending over the course of the year because you're you're going to be spending that on those everyday things. But like we said, the important thing is to be responsible about it and make sure that you are paying it off as opposed to running up um, the balance on that credit card. So that's some great advice. Well, Barry, lots of great advice around travel and saving money for our listeners today we do have some time now for some final thoughts so if you could leave our listeners with a final thought or a final piece of advice what would it be you know for me it's really about again same thing we've been talking about throughout the whole conversation here um think about your destination first and always have multiple destinations in mind and if you knowledge is power right so if you're constantly researching things you can kind of see what's going on and then you can start to build out what your plans are for the future and then sometimes something will come up and it's just the right time and the right price and you just capitalize on it uh, and I, w- I will say this one of the biggest mistakes that travelers make is waiting for that exact airfare for airfare to drop or, or whatever right and what people don't realize or maybe they do realize this is airfare is dynamically priced and what i mean by that is constantly changing so if you kind of have all your everything prepared you know your information if you see a price that's good for a flight book it no questions asked uh and then in most cases you have 24 hours to cancel and the reason i tell people to book it right away is because the odds of the price going up are significantly higher than the price coming down, right? So, so you know how many times I've read online, people are like, oh, I had my vacation planned. I finally saw flights for $1,500, but then I wanted to check a few more things. And now the next day it's doubled in price. What happened? Is it going to go back down again? Probably not. You've missed your window. So now you've got to budget another $1,500 per person because you didn't pull the trigger, if you know what I mean. So it's one of those things where, where again, having that knowledge is power and being ready to pounce on an opportunity is always beneficial to you. And then we discussed earlier how booking a fully flexible fare can also be beneficial for you. So right now I've actually got two flights lined up 
to Europe that are fully refundable. I don't think I'm actually going to take them because my daughter is will be seven and she is still uh, a little bit of a pain to walk. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I don't know if she'll be able to handle all of that walking. But I booked them fully refundable because I knew it was a good deal and I'll worry about it later. Of course, the downside is uh, I'm tying up my cash for three flights. That's why I decide to cancel. So, so there's always trade-offs, but, but I always advise people to plan as early as possible. And, and by early as possible, these t- these days, it's like 10 to 12 months in advance if you want to save money. Yeah, I think that's that's some good advice. Like you do have that 24-hour window to cancel the flight when you're booking directly, you know, with Air Canada, for example. So that gives you 24 hours to research, okay, does the rest of the things I need on that trip fit into the budget that I have, right? So am I going to find the right hotel price? Am I going to get a rental car if that's what I need? Am I still going to have the money that I need to do the things when, once I get there? And um, you've still, you've, you've locked in, to your point, that cheaper airfare rather than doing the research coming back and finding you can no longer get that cheaper air first so i think that's some great advice well barry if people wanted more advice from you they wanted to you know connect with you for your blog or 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 follow you what's the best way for them to do that uh, my blog is moneywehave.com and my instagram is barry underscore choy Great. Well, thanks again for joining me. And for our listeners out there, I always want to hear from you. So if you have a comment or question or a topic that you'd like us to discuss here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney@pdo.ca or call me at 800-563-8337. Until next week, stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@pdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trust on your VOCM.